says that she's never afraid Just picture everybody naked She really doesn't like to wait Not really into hesitation Pulls me in enough to keep me guessing Too far, I know we'd be alright. I know we would be alright if you were by my side. And we stumbled in the dark. I know we'd be alright. I know we would be alright. Cause if we lost our minds and we took it way too far, I know we'd be alright. I know we would be alright if you were by my side. We stumbled in the dark. I know we'd be alright. We would be alright. Oh, I've been shaking. Crazy, you take all my inhibitions Baby, there's nothing holding me back You take me places that tear up my reputation Manipulate my decisions Welcome back to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. Okay, thank you for that, Mr. Mann. Right, uh, we do have score updates because we had a game kicking off at 21.45 local time and, of course, at 10 o'clock as well. Yes. Double N, what is happening there in Spain and in Italy? Yes, indeed. In Italy, we have sports uh, score update, as you said. Yeah, Juve is ahead 1-0 and Paulo Dybala is a score on 4th minute, so now... We are in 15th minute and we're watching the game. I'll keep you updated. Okay, thank you. He's a, while I'm working here, he's busy watching the game and having a bit of crack. Right, well, that's the way he should be doing. Now, if any of you were, well, following sports this past week, there has been some, let's just say, interesting developments in the world of doping, especially. Um, of course, we know that Russia is the only country that dopes. Russia is the only one who does anything bad. We've highlighted on the show here. We've, we've, Talk, spoken about it when everyone else was saying quiet we've kind of tackled it we you know to, to, to try and make things better so our kids my little fella doesn't have to do anything wrong if he wants to have a career in sports he can just go on and play sports and love it and enjoy just like I did and continue to do now um, a week ago uh, USADA the USA anti-doping who of course are about as useful as screen doors in a battleship or a chocolate teapot they released a, uh, a statement basically saying that they have banned the leading coach, Alberto Salazar, for four years because he was trafficking in performance-enhancing drugs. And this is a guy who, years ago, everyone knew what he was at. Like, I mean, over a decade ago, people knew what he was doing when he was testing out drugs on his own son. 
Yo, so he was testing on his son to see how quickly the drugs would get out of his system so he wouldn't be caught drug-taking. Now, uh, for more on this, we're going to go to our North American correspondent, the man of the moment, Mr. Alex B. Alex, can you hear us in Hello, Ontario? Howdy, howdy. Listen, Alex, set the scene for us. Tell us what on earth went on out in Oregon. Uh, well, you described it perfectly fine, actually. This, uh, Mr. Salazar here, he was uh, a legend of the track and field sport, and now he's one of the most, he was, while well, regarded as one of the most respected coaches, you know, in America. And um, so now it's obviously a big shock to the whole uh, track and field fan base, if you will. And um, yeah, so that's, you summed it up perfect. That's pretty much it. Okay, now we, 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 we do know that he had like the, the one, the leading and of course an Olympic medalist and multiple champion, uh, Galen Rupp, the American middle distance runner. He had other runners who kind of quit, including uh, Cara Goucher. But he also has worked with some top level athletes, including a, a, a double world champion right now who just like won two medals. We're going to speak about that a little bit later um, with Louise Carragher. But uh, he also worked with Mr. Mo Farah. Yeah. I mean, how how does this... Of course, Mo said that he stopped working with him like a few years ago, but uh, it wasn't that he just was starting uh, doping people, you know, and then stopping when Mo wasn't there. So, I mean, what kind of effects do you reckon, uh, Alex, is this going to have, you know, on, on American athletics? Or do you think it's going to just finish and end with uh, Alberto Salazar? Well, um, I don't even know what kind of plan they have for this because nobody really anticipated... It to this extent so now obviously they're doing like they're banning him from everywhere like all of the hall of fame and like all of that he's he's gone but they i don't really know what steps they can really take to make sure that doesn't happen again aside from like increasing the um doping test but the dope tests like they happen pretty frequently already and it's, it's pretty like the fighters complain about it. it's not a good process to go through so that's the only real thing they can do about it but i don't think that's the best step yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, testing is testing. But one of the things that, um, that this guy Salazar was doing was he's working with Nike, employed by Nike, um, was backed by Nike, was told the CEO of Nike what he was doing. So, I mean, there was no, you know, nothing was hidden. This was like quite open what he was doing. And he was testing to see what limits will go undetected. There's also called micro doping in, in, well, micro. So like it basically it goes under the, the permittable limit. Um, Okay, there's one that you, you, you pointed out to me about Percy Harvin, and I tweeted this quote yeah. out already. There's not a game I played that I wasn't high. Sorry, I, that's a terrible accent. Um, yeah, tell us more about this American footballer. Uh, well, this is really a big... Well, oh, well, I mean, he was a legend for the Seattle Seahawks and won the Super Bowl in 2004, and now he's retired, but he's regarded as, as a legend in Seattle. So, um, yeah, so essentially he tweeted out that he wasn't in a single game that he's played and that's more of like a it's not really a doping thing it's more of just like a funny like like I don't even know it's, I, I, I saw it be more funny than anything else because that is just uh, and he wasn't caught doing it either which is another like, but well, that's, yeah it doesn't really matter now but exactly I mean look, yeah. we, we can talk about it because I mean um, USAD of course we know they are not allowed to work with the NFL, or the NBA, or even the NCAA. I mean, they're basically, they're, they're just like, well, they're, they're called eunuchs, or basically, you know, court jesters, but they have absolutely, you know, they, they have nothing whatsoever to do, you know. Um, 
Okay, listen. All right, let's let's move on from that. Um, it's playoff time in the MLB. Uh, how is it going? Uh, the playoffs for the MLB. Uh, I'm. One second. I'm going to pull it up. Because <laughs> I know I, I've, I've been following some of it. I, I know that there was um, you know there, there were there, there were so many games that have already been started. Of course, like the the Braves and Cardinals, the series is tied one one. Uh, the right. Dodgers and Nationals one one as well. Uh, those games are tonight at eleven o'clock. Moscow time the Braves and Cardinals. But overall, Alex, I mean, um, you know, it's early days yet. Of course, New York have thrashed the, the Minnesota Twins um, right. and the Astros um, are leading the Tampa Bay Devil Rays 2-0 as well in their series uh, in the divisional games. Um, you know, in, in, in once once the, the Blue Jays aren't involved in the playoffs, does, does baseball die a death in Canada? Uh, well, kind of, yes, it's... We're, we're big Blue Jays people down here, but uh, yeah, there. I can't really pick a clear winner who I think is going to win because, because this year has been some very evenly matched teams. So I can't say. Uh, last last week I said I'm rooting for the Oakland A's, but now I think that New York has the best chance. Here. Oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, no, we're going to speak with that with the Oakland A's. Why the Oakland A's in just a moment? Um, you have a little bit of info about the NBA and the NHL as well, so go for it. Um, in the NBA, um, it's kind of very early to say because it's just summer leagues, but the biggest um, uh, news, I'd say, is that this year there's been a monster deal with Anthony Davis going over to L.A. Lakers and uh, him teaming up with LeBron and LeBron coming out of, well, he's healed from his injury now. And yesterday they played a game against the Golden State Warriors and they beat them by, like, 20 points. So it was, like, not even close. So now... This monster duo is like living up to all the expectations, and that's pretty much the wildest thing happening there. Okay. And there's been individual players that have just played very well, but aside from that, yeah. NHL, um, well, of course, I see my Toronto Maple Leafs are <laughs> doing quite well. They, uh, that's, and yeah, we've seen there's been game, um, and, um, yeah, so the yeah, I saw a game yesterday against uh, Toronto Maple Leafs against the Montreal Canadiens, which is the biggest rivalry in Canada, and uh, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs is destroying those guys. So yeah, huh. and they are going for the Cup this year. Okay, so you, you you reckon the Maple Leafs might have, or as Peter would have always called them, the uh, laughs? Um, well, they... they're definitely not going to um, lose to the Cel- to the um, not Bruins? The Celtics to the Boston Bruins. <laughs> I know. Listen, um, those guys. Okay. Now you you did. We we're going to segue from the uh, Oakland A's um, into Moneyball. Tell us what is yes. Moneyball, the movie, and uh, why should everyone have a look at it? Moneyball is an absolute genius piece of work. It's, it follows the. It's honestly, I'd say it's if it's not the best sports movie of all time, it's definitely up there with the with the great ones because. I know it just follows it, um, this guy, Billy Bean, who was the GM for the Oakland A's, and it was just a... Uh, so right now in uh, American sports, there's a thing called a salary cap, which is uh, how, well, well, just um, is the amount of money each team can play to, which each team can pay to their players, um, and it's the... Uh, so it's the limit that people can spend. But back then, that wasn't a thing, so that you had richer teams that just had 
uh, way more chances than like other teams. So Oakland A's was by far the poorest franchise, and this man took it to uh, almost winning the uh, almost winning it all and taking home the championship. And his players were just way worse than everybody else's. But he went and started looking for like retired players, for like injured players, and like all those guys, and he, who had talent, he put them in. Maybe played their role. So that's just a very interesting take on sports. I mean, I, I, I never knew Brad Pitt was so into sports, but there you go. Well, I mean, I know he yeah. played the, the guy. I mean, he, he's very, yeah, very good. The, the best scene is when he goes to Boston and they pay him a... They, the, the amount of money that they offered him was going to make him the most paid GM like of all time for that time, but he still rejected it because anybody but Boston... <laughs> ABB, anybody but Boston. That's fair enough. Um, listen, uh, Double N. He has he has a movie that he's seen quite recently. Maybe you might have seen it as well, Alex B. Um, um, it's the art of self defense. The art of self defense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what what is that movie, uh, Double N? It's about the uh, character and the famous uh, Jesse Eisenberg is stars there in the movie. So it's a little bit dark comedy. Comedy. So not everyone will like it definitely, but it was an interesting movie. Like sometimes, like. Uh, really strange jokes, but yeah, overall, like there are some good takes to take from that movie. Have 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 you seen it, Alex? The Art of Self Defense. Um, no, I have not heard of this movie before. Okay, listen. It, okay, Money Moneyball. I I agree. I think it's a great movie. Um, have you seen the movie Draft Day? <coughs> um. Oh, the football one? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay. This is one to watch. It's basically Kevin Costner. Now, if I say a few more, like, I'll give it all away. But basically, it's a great movie that, of course, is made by the NFL. Uh, so it's, of course, promoting the NFL, like, just without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and basically, he's Cleveland Browns, uh, who, I mean, just, I'm not going to speak with them. They just break my heart every year. Uh, so the Cleveland Browns, and he's their GM, taking over from... You know, uh, his dad had been the former coach and his dad had passed away and so on and so forth. And it's the draft day, so they had the number one pick. So it's basically what he does with that number one pick. Everyone's saying, you've got to pick like the best quarterback, this cool quarterback who's the best, best, best. And it's like the, the whole process of draft day. So, I mean, it actually was quite interesting. But um, Alex, if there's another movie you'd recommend to our listeners to say spend a, a, a Monday evening before the uh, Euro 2020 qualifiers come in, what would you recommend? What would you think is well worth their time watching? Oh, uh, well, I know that I would... <coughs> Sorry. I would not recommend watching Space Jam because I, I saw that movie for the first time about two months ago and it no! was as bad as I expected. Go away! Two months yeah. ago! What? You, well, yeah, you, I've never seen it before. You weren't even yeah. bored when it was out. Yeah, and I've been hearing all these stories about how great this movie is. It's awful. It was absolute trash. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. I hated it from start to finish. It was a, it was pr- propaganda for Michael Jordan. There you go. That's all it was. I Look at how much better Michael Jordan is than everybody else. It was horrible. It was an ad. Yeah, I agree. I I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I know that. You know, Michael Jordan's a great player and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, Space Jam was like... The, 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 song was, the song was fantastic, though. Ah, uh, yeah. I commu- the music for it was very, very good. I, actually, I think yeah, I had the, the soundtrack. I had a, a CD soundtrack of that. Okay, well, what that you would recommend then? Not, okay, stay away uh, from Space Jam, but what would you watch? Uh, there's this movie that I am yet to see, but I very much... Um, I've learned about this movie not too long ago, and I very much want to see it now. It's The, the Raging Bull... Uh, oh, no, 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 don't, don't, yeah. Alex, do yourself a favor, don't watch it. 
It's awful. Why? Is it uh, it's, it's so overdone. It's like boxing's not about art. It's going to just like smack someone in the mouth and knock them down. That's all. I mean, this is like, you know, ah, oh, no, 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 no. I, well, anyway, yeah. listen, watch it. It's, See what it's you. A, yeah, it's a, it's an acquired taste for some. It is. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather watch Rocky Four. Basically, if I, if I say that, I'd rather watch Rocky Four or have my chest hairs, you know, tweezed out with the rusty pliers. That's what I'd rather than 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 watch uh, Rage Bull again. Creed two with the with the bad Russian guy. Well, I didn't see I didn't see it. You told me to watch Creed, especially the second one. I didn't put the the Rocky uh, Four. No. The second one it was just a ridiculous movie. It was it was the Space Jam of boxing. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great one listen Alex we're going to let you go we'll be on to you next week so listen you stay cool stay calm and uh, we'll talk to you very soon alright yeah thanks Alex okay that was Alex B of course he's exiled over in Canada but of course covering the uh, North American sports scene for us especially that breaking news this week he brought it right to us about that uh, USADA and also the FBI investigation the FBI actually drove it the investigation into Alberto Salazar we have a score update before we go to break. Yes, we do. And actually, it's from Inter UM match, and Inter equalized. It's 1 1 from a one, penalty. Yeah. 1 1 from a penalty. And the other game in Barcelona still scores. Still scoreless. Still, still scores. Okay, yeah. folks, we went to the break right now. We're going to come back with Swift Girl, our, our athletics correspondent, Luz Carr, who, who, who basically we're going to say, way big congratulations, because she's the one who broke the story here first. She drove the story, and I think she deserves a lot of respect. Okay, so we're going to wait to the break right now with George Ezra and Pretty Shiny People because we're shining away right now. Back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Me and Sam in the car talking about America Heading to the wishing well We've reached our last resort yeah. I turned to him Said man help me out I feel I'm on an island In an ocean full of change Can't bring myself to dive into an ocean full of change Am I losing touch? Am I losing touch now? He said Why, why, what a terrible time To be alive if you're prone to overthinking it
Начинай свой день с Capital FM и Dina Mild. Где бы ты ни был, даже в душе. Каждое утро с 8 до 11 на 105 и 3 FM. Okay, welcome back, folks, to part five of today's show uh, of Capital Sports. Before we go across to beautiful Loud or lovely Loud, um, I have something to, to, to play that you might be interested in. Okay, that was Sifan Hassan, who, of course, made an absolute mockery, absolute mockery of uh, women's athletics yesterday, uh, basically leading to people to be so depressed with the state, with the states of, um, of, 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 of world athletics that even a, a good friend of the show, uh, Renian Shirley, said that I don't have words to describe how I feel tonight. This is just ridiculous. Frankly, I know... You love to talk about it. You guys love to talk about the impact of PEDs and hidden motors in cycling. But Doha is right up there with the 1990s after Ben Johnson. Heck, even Paula Radcliffe had to be worried that her untouchable world record might fall soon. Okay? So, there's the, the, this is the, the athlete Sifan Hassan trains with Salazar. They didn't say, hold on. You know, they said, okay... You know, they, they, they could have thrown them under the bus, but they're all saying, no, they commit fighting and insulting other athletes who ask questions. So we're going to go over to Loud and first to say congratulations to Louise Carraher um, and then say, what on earth is going on in the world of athletics? Louise, welcome to Capital Sports. Thank you. Good <laughs> to be here. Louise, congratulations, because, of course, uh, it was in April we had this discussion the last time about what was going on. And it went already, like a couple of years ago, we discussed this actually over in Ireland. And you brought it, you laid out the line, everything that Seb Coe has done and so on and so forth. And when you had Seb Coe getting the softest of softball interviews um, by, you know, the Times of England, a newspaper, and then all of a sudden all this breaks and Salazar is done and so on and so forth. Just take us through what went on and where this is going. Uh, well, I suppose this starts in 2015, um, but for anyone with their finger on the pulse of athletics, it, it goes back, uh, you know, quite beyond that. Um, Salazar was coaching Mary Decker Slaney in 1996 when she had her positive test. 
and um, you know people of, of rational mind and uh, who are capable of analytic thought have, have long thought that there was a problem here um, but it really kicked off in, in 2015 and um, Steve Magness, Cara Gouger, her husband Adam Gouger and a number of other people came forward as whistleblowers and they spoke to David Epstein with ProPublica and Mark Daly with BBC and Panorama and they laid forth a lot of allegations um, which have over the past four years turned into an FBI investigation, a USADA investigation um, and in 2017 that investigation was made formal it went through the courts and then on Tuesday he was banned for, for four years for three of the allegations that these guys were making in 2015 um, which were the, the trafficking of testosterone um, interfering with the doping control process and in administering illegal IV infusions to athletes Okay, now, let's look at Sifan Hassan. We've just played that clip from her, uh, protesting her innocence and that, like, I'm tested regularly um, and you can come to my door any day and test me. Um, but what was, uh, you know, Alberto Salazar and his doctor doing uh, to make sure that athletes were not going to fail tests? Because, of course, he did say before, we're, you know, we're not going to fail tests. And, of course, Mo Farah has said, I'll never fail a test. So what were they doing that athletes would not fail tests? Um, he was very much trying to exist within the grey area. Um, so Lauren Fleshman writes a great piece on this, um, you can look it up, um, where she talks about how he coached her to fail an asthma test. So he basically got her to do a very, very difficult workout, then drove her immediately to the door of the doctor's office so that when she presented, she was to say that you know she hadn't just done a workout and this was how her body naturally reacted and therefore she required asthma medication. He did the same thing with testo or with thyroid medications, um, where he would encourage the athletes to go and seek out this doctor, this Dr. Jeffrey Brown, say they had low thyroid, and then he could then provide them with thyroid medications. And it's also rumored um, that he did the same with testosterone, where he would like to increase the athletes' levels within the level that the biopass would allow, but giving them more than natural. And Steve Magnus talked about this in 2015, where he saw some. Okay. We just, paperwork oh. that seemed to suggest Rupp was getting these testosterone um, no? Yeah, yeah, no, we hear you, Louise. We hear so so Rupp was getting these um testosterone treatments. Yes, from the age of sixteen, um, which unfortunately was outside the, the statute of um limitations for Okay, well, I mean, we, we, we look, say, even, you know, not too far away, uh, down in... in in Spain, Lionel Messi getting his growth hormones. But, I mean, just how, how damaging... Oh, Louise, uh, just to ask you a question, how damaging is giving these type of medications to ostensibly healthy human beings? Louise, just I'll ask you a question again. Um, how damaging is giving uh, these medicines to ostensibly healthy human beings? Okay, we're going to just uh, call Louise back. We're just going to get back on the line. So um, another, like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, even going back as far as 2010, uh, Alberto Salazar, uh, that he became aware of a legal supplement that could boost levels of L-carnitine. Yes, that L-carnitine, the one that quite a few people will drink or take when they're going into the gym to try and lose weight. Of course, they, they say it's a fat burning. You can get energy from uh, fat cells. Um, now, of course, it's natural in your body and it helps convert fat to energy uh, and produce a real performance boost. 
Now, the problem was that it took six months of drinking the supplement to notice any difference. And, you know, Salazar basically figured he didn't want to wait that long. So what did he do? They put it into a drip to put it intravenously in. Now, there's something to come up with this with UK Athletics, and we're going to speak about it in just a moment. But, um, Louise, you're back in line with us. And just the question that I asked before we got cut off was, um, how damaging is giving these let's just say, potent and dangerous chemicals and medicines to healthy people? I suppose we don't fully know exactly how dangerous or how damaging they could be. Um, But there is one particular medication that Salazar was using, which was the calcitonin treatment. And he was prescribing incredibly high levels of his treatment. And numerous medical professionals and the, the World Health Organization came out and said that high doses of this treatment did lead to cancer. Um, and Salazar was made aware of this information and he still wanted his athletes to take very, very high dosages of this. And I think the USADA report said that he put performance benefit above athlete health or he put winning medals above athlete health. So he doesn't particularly care about the side effects unless you know they're going to decrease the performance. He's only caring about how the medications interact with performance. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that, of course, we, like when Fancy Bears leaked the TUEs. And of course, I, I was reading midweek that like if you're an asthmatic or if you're diabetic um, what's the reason to say I'm asthmatic and diabetic you don't need to hide away your TUEs Um, you know these therapeutic use exemptions so you can take these very potent drugs to of course to either help you because your health is quite poor or to improve your performance but at least it's out there Um, but just speaking about L-carnitine just before when we were trying to get back in line there and one of the issues, what this, this is something he was using in, in a direct drip. And one of the athletes who was training with him, who really turned himself around, and you, you discussed this with us and you, you outlined the timeline, was Mo Farah. And now there's questions about Mo Farah, like fully open. It's like, you know, that um, he was there. So what's, what's the latest with Mo on this? Um, I suppose legally, we should always say that uh, he has not been implicated in any wrongdoing. Um, However, if you look at his timeline prior to 2011, he was very much a good athlete, a good European athlete. He had some success on the European level. Um, He didn't do very well at World Championships. He finished sixth and seventh. And in his only Olympic appearance prior to Salazar, um, he didn't make the Olympic final of the 5,000 metres. 2011, he, at the age of 28, moves to Salazar. And as if by magic, his career is completely reformed. He becomes basically unbeatable on the track. He develops this incredible finishing kick that he never had up to the age of 28. Um, he wins 10 world titles, um, or, or 10 titles, Olympic and world. Um, he basically becomes the most decorated distance runner of all time. Um, he sets three European records, one world record, eight British records, I think, um, all in this space between 2011 and 2017, all under the guidance of Alberto Salazar. Um, Salazar in this time, as we now know, was trafficking testosterone, was administering illegal IVs and was interfering with the doping control process. So, I mean, I don't think it takes a genius to put two together and say, hold on, if Salazar was doing all these things in this time frame, his most successful athlete in this time frame, was, you know, surely he was benefiting from these grey areas that Salazar was existing in and beyond. Uh, hey, Louise, Dublin here, and I have a uh, quick question for you, like, um, will Hess roll in, in the UK athletics, what do you think? Um, no, I, I don't think 
heads or role in UK athletics. I think if you look at the head of the IAAF, uh, I think there's a man there who has no interest in, in looking at this any further. I mean, he's already said, I believe that, you know, Salazar, uh, you know, has been banned, but none of the athletes have been banned. And, and that's the end of that, um, which, you know, seems ridiculous. If Salazar is, has been guilty of breaching doping offences or, you know, doping regulations, then surely athletes have to have been doped in that process. But it seems like at the moment anyway, nobody is interested in pursuing that or in looking at the federations and, and seeing, you know, are there other people responsible here? Um, UK Athletics certainly have, you know, some part to play in this. They knew in 2015 and they knew about the allegations against Salazar and they defended Mo Farah continuing to work with him and Neil Black called Salazar a genius in that time. So they certainly should be held accountable, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hold any hope out for that. Now, of course, the, the, the fastest ever women's marathon runner at uh, the time held, of course, by Paula Ratcliffe. Um, she and some of her friends uh, were under fire on the BBC, of course, the British state broadcaster, for, first of all, not disclosing that they work with Nike because, of course, Nike had paid for Salazar's offence and paid for his um, investigations and his experiments. As we know, they were, well, illegal now. Um, but they've come under a bit of fire. So do you think maybe that the, the public are waking up to the fact that all these people, these talking heads uh, on in British athletics, on the BBC, might be talking not from their mouth, but some other part of the anatomy? I certainly think so. Um, I got a few messages and a few private messages over the, the last week or so to say, you know, I'm sorry, I was wrong, you were right all along, you know, and then a lot of people saying, you know, if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. So I think the public are maybe waking up to that and they're looking beyond this and saying, if Salazar is dodgy, what knock-on effect does that have for his athletes? Which, you know, is a great step forward for a lot of the fans of the sport who for a long time have lived with their heads in the sand and have pretended that everything is fine when the reality is, is quite different from that. Uh, Louise, uh, best case scenario, because we've seen a lot of journalists who would normally be very much, you know, like, uh, like not just pointing fingers at Russia, or basically defending or ignoring sort of uh, wrongdoing in British athletics. They're piling in now, as happens at this, in this case. But what best case scenario, what do you want to happen or what do you see? Well, OK, what do you see happening or what do you want to happen? Um, what I see happening is unfortunately the, the World Championships ends tonight. The season is over. Um, everything gets swept under the carpet as it normally does and normal service resumes um, when the, the season starts again. Um, however, what I would like to happen and what USADA have already asked for is for the samples of Mo Farah and any other athletes that have trained with the Night Garden Project to go and be sent to their labs and to be retested. And in particular, I, I've seen reference to a a, a ratio test which could be done um, because basically that, that shows the difference between testosterone, epitestosterone, which basically will allow the investigators to know was he meddling with people's testosterone levels while keeping them within the biopassport. It's quite an expensive test. Uh, I think it's the cryotope, isotope ratio test, something like this. Um, but I would love if all the samples could be handed over for all the athletes, regardless of their nationality. That have Louise, are you still there? Or? No? No, we have... Louise, are you still there? Louise? We have lost Louise Carraher. Uh, okay, so we're going to have to break in just a moment. But so, again, folks, food for thought. 
food for thought on that because it is something that you know we all have to have a bit of a think about because as 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 uh, one journalist pointed out today um, a Dutch journalist said how can we justify labeling all Russian athletes guilty by association simply by nationality but none of the Salazar trained Project Oregon athletes either label everyone suspect and subsequently ban them all or give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Don't pick and choose. Okay? So, on that note, we're going to go out. Uh, well, first, uh, there's a score update from, uh, from the Camp Nou. Yeah, it's actually like in seven minutes. Um, we have three goals from Spain for oh. Barcelona. Yeah, it's like 3 0. Oh, good. So, God. Suarez, Vidal, and Dembele making okay. three. And for Italy, it's still 1 1. Okay, so 1 1 Inter and Juve. Yeah. Okay, folks, we're to the break with a good remix, one, or a remix, or a remake, I should say, a, a, an upgrade of a song, because, of course, the original was by Billy Joel. This one's by an Irish group. I think we, you know, you'll, you'll boogie with us before we go in to speak with uh, Andy Mack. So enjoy this. This is Westlife, Uptown Girl, back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Okay, we're back with the sixth and final part of Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM tonight. I am Alan Moore. Uh, Double N is getting Mr. Andy Mack back on the phone. And of course, we're just, you know, after that song, you kind of have to chill out just a wee bit. And we enjoyed it, of course. Now, uh, some interesting updates from the world of NFL, National Football League, American Football, of course. Right now, as we speak in London... In London, in the Spurs Stadium, the Chicago Bears are beating the Oakland uh, Oakland Raiders. I, was, I don't know what I was going to say there. The Chicago Bears are beating the Oakland Raiders twenty-one seventeen. It's in the fourth quarter. There's quite a comeback by uh, Chicago because they were seventeen nil down and now they're leading. Uh, they 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 conceded seventeen points, two touchdowns, and a uh, a field goal in the second period. Um, or second quarter even, and uh, then they pull back 21 points in that third quarter. Now, overall, we're looking at kind of like the NFL, I mean, a good friend of our show, Alexander Zotov, I think he's just been, you know, we want to try and meet, <coughs> excuse me, we to, um, to have a bit of a chat, uh, but I think now his Washington Redskins, his beloved Redskins, are 0-4 to start off the season. The team that we were looking at, now they're heading up the AFC North, the team that we were looking to, like, to, to be a shocker, were the Cleveland Browns, but they're 2-2, two and two, okay? So they, they're doing quite well now, okay? They've, they've won their last game, so hopefully do well. The Patriots are top of the AFC East, they are 4-0, and oh, but what else would you expect from them? Kansas City Chiefs, they're also unbeaten 4-0, and oh, and they are top of the AFC West. So that's sort of the AFC, the American Football Conference, that's going to be a bit of a cracker this year. My Denver Broncos, 0-4, oh bottom of the AFC West, just absolutely crap. Anyway, uh, and of course the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers over in the NFC, they are 3-0. and oh. Okay, so um, yeah, I mean it's just kind of, but well, we, we, we did say that the Cleveland Browns would be the team that would put it up to the Pats this year, but well, we'll wait and see. I don't even look back at our predictions because they're pretty terrible. Now, he is back, the Mac is back, and we're going to have a chat with him because he's back in Russia finally after his beautiful, long, sunny beach holidays and he had a few hot tips when he was in Cyprus, and maybe he might give us a hot tip this evening as well. So, Andy, how are you doing? I've, I've lost all of my hot tips with the stunning weather back here. It's snowing. And listen, this is, this is the whole thing. I mean, you know, plus, plus four. We were training this morning at Locomotive. It's snowing. I walked out with, like, you know, with a football ready to, like, okay, let's, let's have a good L session. Snow falling. I mean, it's October, for God's sake, and it's only the first week in October. Um, okay, getting back into the swing of things. Uh, before we go and ask about the UEFA 2020, did you see that Liverpool game yesterday? I only caught bits of it, but um, I certainly caught the end of it. Um, very exciting. I can't say I agreed with the use of VAR in it. Okay, so you, you like, with, with the penalty, I mean, okay, contact was made, but you don't think that it should be, because, I mean, the players seem to appeal to the referee for a penalty. I mean, yeah, there was the, there was definite contact, but I, I um, a toddler could have carried on going with the contact was there. He, he takes another step and then decides that he's going to go down. I mean, for me, that is conning the referee because he knows that there has been contact and the way the VAR is implemented at the moment, that means that a penalty will be given. Um, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier in our in, in our chat. I think rugby utilises it in a different way where they ask, the referee asks the question, is there any reason why I can't give it as opposed to give me a reason why I can give it? And I think that's an important aspect that football needs to look at. 
And I also think that at the moment, the way that it's, it's being used, they need to maybe look at the NFL <clears throat> where coaches will throw a flag onto the play to review things. Or in cricket, if you, if you use VAR and you use it badly and you waste time, then you lose, you lose your chance to use it again. So I think that there needs to be a few things ironed out. Um, and taking examples like that, where I think Mane has conned the referee, um, to, to learn from it. Okay, no, that is, that is fair enough, and I agree with you. I've, I've said along that they are using just very, very badly. Um, Andy, talking about rugby, you know, we're, we're discuss, I want to ask you about the Scottish team in just a moment. But we, earlier on, we were speaking with uh, Steve C., and one of the things he, he, he brought up, and I noticed it, um, for example, Nigel Owens, who is held up as the best of the best of the best of, of, of referees, the Welsh referee, but he was pretty darn inconsistent the other day for England, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I think um, his his Australian counterpart is actually showing him up in in, in the consistency levels. I think it, I think it was even Nigel Owens in, in, in I think it was the first or the second game. Uh, it might have been Russia's first game um, where he was actually guiding the players. I mean, I, I know it's a World Cup and you'd expect players to maybe know, but players were making mistakes and he was refusing to give penalties. Um, but then in the second half, he was just giving everything. So, it, yeah, there's a bit of a weird inconsistency going on there at the moment. Um, and, I, I mean, um, with the with the Japan game, for obviously it, it might still impact on Ireland, but it certainly will impact on Scotland. That one at the end where the referee's given um, a, a penalty for, for not... I, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it, it's for not feeding the ball into the scrum. At what point would the, the the person not want to put the ball into the sky? I just didn't understand it. I mean, I mean, I, I, I remember you know, one of my, my last game playing in scrum half and putting the ball into the scrum, and referee said I put it in crooked, and I'm like, no, I actually <laughs> rolled it straight under the hooker's foot, and the hooker could be the number two, um, and the, the like. But he said, I put it in crooked. And then you watch professional rugby and they literally roll it back into their own side. Oh, yeah. Every time they do it, it's absolutely crooked. And you see with line-outs now as well, it's very rare that there's, there's ever a straight line-out as such. Um, but, I mean, that aspect I don't mind. But the fact that he's actually saying that he, he didn't properly feed the ball into the... I mean, why wouldn't you? All you're asking is for the ball to be turned over. Um, so I, I, I really didn't get that. I felt the referee had bent to um, the home team and the home fans in order to, to get them that bonus point. And it obviously could affect Scotland and Ireland. OK, no, that, that's a fair point. Um, Scotland, of course, playing midweek against Russia. I mean, they, 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 they will win that one, that's for sure. Um, they should get a bonus point as well and then move up into joint second place. But next weekend's game against Japan... Um, what do you reckon? What's your take on it? Do you think that Scotland will have enough to get over the line or do you think that Japan will be carried into the knockout round? Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know whether to be excited or just crapping myself at the prospects of losing. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a really difficult one because obviously Japan have played quite well but then you saw periods of that Samoa game where Japan looked a far inferior team to Samoa in terms of the way that they were defending, I think they got a few lucky penalties. So if Scotland are on their game, I think they should win. But as Japan have proven, and perhaps the referees and the support and everyone that's getting behind them, um, showed that if I if your team gets it wrong, I mean, in the case of Ireland, then it, it, it's 
yeah, it's it's a real. We we said it at the start as well. Japan could be the biggest banana skin of that group. Um, even if they do qualify, they, they won't get any further yeah. uh, because I think New Zealand will be waiting for whoever gets there. Okay, that is a fair but, point. Uh, listen, we're going to speak about the uh, UEFA 2020 qualifiers and, of course, uh, to put a bit more misery because, um, on, because of course, Russia play uh, Scotland at 10.15 on Wednesday in the Rugby World Cup and then the UEFA 2020 qualifiers. Well, at least Scotland will win one of them, I think. Uh, <laughs> Um, if, if, if they lose the rugby, then I, I think I might be getting another flight back out of here quite quickly. So, um, and the Scotland Russia on Thursday, what's your take? Um, I could only really see it going one way. Scotland's, uh, have had injury issues. Um, Tierney, Kieran Tierney, the left back for Arsenal was pulled out because he doesn't want to rush himself back in. Uh, a few midfielders have dropped out. And if you just look at that squad uh, that Scotland have got at the moment, it, it doesn't feel right. There's no, uh, I mean, you, you've got players like Oliver, the spine of the team just just isn't good enough. And I think Russia will punish it. Um, and I think they may, Russia may even rotate a few players knowing they're at home uh, and and knowing that um, they, they probably, it's uh, with 15 points, I think they're pretty much there already. And I think it's an opportunity to maybe give some of the younger players that are coming through for Russia a, a good try against a fairly competitive team. But on home soil and with the weather, um, I think they'll win quite comfortably. I mean, de then they're heading down um, to Cyprus, where you just come back from uh, on Sunday evening, playing at seven o'clock. Of course, we'll be here in the studio covering the end of that. Um, are you are you reckon that it'll be six from six for for Russia in uh, this series of uh, international games? Yeah, I think I, I think they'll be disappointed if they don't take the six points. I mean, it, it was really really hot um, Cyprus. So it will be a little bit of a shock for the Russian players. Um, we're looking at sort of twenty seven, twenty eight degrees even late in the evening. Um, but Cyprus aren't particularly good. Um, they, they will make it difficult. They will obviously challenge Russia a bit, but in terms of technical ability, if, if Russia are able to use the ball um, well and keep possession for long periods, like they did against Kazakhstan away from home in similar kinds of heat, then, then yeah, I, I think six points, and that's them pretty much qualified, I think. Okay, Scotland, then you're, you're back up to, uh, well, back home against San Marino on Sunday as well. But that, that's, that's going to be a, a, a stroll in the park, won't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the players that had come in that I thought, okay, kind of interesting. So, uh, Lewis Shankland, who I believe might actually be the British top scorer across all of the leagues at the moment, plays for Dundee United. He's been included in the squad. So, I, I hope Scotland blood a few new young players because... It's an ageing squad. Um, the centre-backs and strikers, I mean, Johnny Russell plays MLS. Charlie Mulgrew's already um, well into his 30s and struggling at Wigan domestically, but still gets a pick for Scotland. And I don't understand it when there are players that are perhaps untried at that sort of level. Just giving them a little bit of experience, I, I think, is a necessity now. And Steve Clark, the manager, needs to be looking at the uh, UEFA Nations League playoff now. And, and therefore, I think he needs to, to dump all of the, the old, old squats from that squad now and, 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 and move on and try, and try and gel something new together.
Okay, um, Andy, looking ahead to another game that we actually covered in June, we were looking ahead to it. Um, same with the England's head of security, uh, fears fan behaviour. Okay, so more fan trouble in, in, uh, in the Czech Republic uh, this week, of course. They're playing um, against the Czechs at uh, 9.45 Moscow time on Friday evening, um, 8.45 local time. I mean, like this kind of like, you know, Prague is saying, oh, we have all these 6,000 English fans coming in. Uh, the preparations are afoot to deploy anti-riot police. Widespread fears of alcohol fuel disturbances that could be exacerbated by blah, 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 blah. Usually excuses put out in advance for English fans misbehaving. Um, do you think that it'd be wise for the English fans to misbehave in the Czech Republic? Because you live there, and I don't say you misbehave, but you you know what the police can do. I, I think um, Prague's experienced this this whole stag do way for for a very long time, uh, and I think having a few football fans there shouldn't really be a massive problem. Um, I'm not sure which stadium they're playing at actually. On on I. I I assume it's probably the uh, the Stroker National one in in Prague, uh, but it's a little bit out of the city, so the police will have to be wary about the fans going in and out. But I mean, yes, Prague's known for its beer. Football fans will drink um, if the police aren't prepared to to put, to put a little bit of extra work in. Then um, I think they will get their comeuppance if 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 they don't correctly separate fans. And I think there's there's certain nations that do it better than others. I'm certainly in, in England, you have derbies where fans are completely separated. The way that the transport goes in and out, you have one set of fans coming in west, one set east. It's the same in Glasgow for the old firm. Um, so there's something that Eastern Europe uh, and the police in particular should be learning from this already because it happens far too often. Um, but at the same time, most of these fans are grown men and should know better. Well, okay, then they're down to Bulgaria, and Gareth Southgate has already gotten his uh, digs in first by saying, oh, we're worried about, like, racist abuse and so on. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, is this, okay, as you said, it's oh, grown men, but okay, let's, let's, let's move on from this. Um, Andy, um, look at some of the games. Uh, Georgia playing Ireland, big game on Saturday, six, uh, four o'clock, uh, Moscow time. Um, do you think Ireland have enough about them to get a win in this one? I do, but I, I think they will have it playing in their head, that 1-1 draw when they went there last time and really, really struggled. Um, Georgia played a really, really good attacking uh, formation and I think Ireland weren't really ready for that. I think they wanted to kind of go and attack a little bit themselves and the current Ireland squad, I think, are more sort of nurtured in a way of playing counter-attacking football um, because that's the sort of way that the players play at the Premier League or... or Dundalk or wherever, they've been drilled into this kind of system. And I think um, they were tactically outthought last time. If they get their tactics right, I could see that that being um, maybe not a comfortable win, but I th it should be a win for Ireland. And I, th I think they will be, um, it's, it's a hugely important game if they want to qualify. Okay, Andy, uh, we've got just a, a couple more questions for you. First one is... Um, what are your tips and picks for the UEFA 2020 qualifiers? What do you reckon that people should have a look at to uh, just earn a little bit of bread before the uh, real snow starts coming down? Well, there actually isn't a great deal of value in the uh, in the international games over the next week or so. I, I think Russia at um, under 
uh, under one one to two or one point over one point five rather is is excellent value for a home game. Um, Spain away as well, similar price. Um, Ireland as well over over two point two, I think looks quite good. Um, but I think if if you're looking for an extra little bit of value this week, I'd maybe be looking at maybe opposing some of the big teams. Um, and I say big teams as in Armenia. I think Liechtenstein got one of their first wins under their belt not so long ago. They're at home to Armenia and are a very big price. Um, I think you can get about 15, 15 to 1 on them to win. Um, and I'd also be slightly tempted to oppose England. I know they've been very good in the qualifiers traditionally. They normally go unbeaten, but I think Czech Republic double chance, so Czech Republic win or draw there, um, is very, very good odds. Um, okay. So those are the ones I'd be looking at for longer odds. And I think Russia, Spain, uh, maybe Denmark at home, very good odds, and Ireland. All to win. Okay, that's great. Listen, Andy, uh, final question. What happened to Celtic this weekend? Lost 2-0 to Livingston. It's the traditional bouncy castle that's made of green, whatever 4G material um, down at Livingston. Uh, I didn't get to watch it, but I think the early red card... Um, kind of ruin Celtic's chances um, but it is it the the brilliantly named Tony Macaroni Stadium is uh, traditionally not a place to go if you want to play football <laughs> okay all right Andy listen thank you so so much uh, enjoy the snow of course it's plus two in Moscow right now and we will see you next week great thanks guys okay that was Andy Mack he is back with us um, uh, now that we've no scores to play, no? No scores to play, yeah. Okay, so still, it's still 1-1 one, one and 3-0. 3-0, three nil. Three nil, exactly. Perfect. Okay, folks, we're going to go away into the snowy, cold, miserable plus two night, but we're going to enjoy it. And we're going to go out because we're feeling good today. We had a great show today. We are heroes. You are heroes for putting up with us. So this is Alesso featuring Tov Lowe. Next week, we have some more super, super guests, so you have to tune in between 9 and 11 next Sunday night to Capital Sports. Double N, thank you. Thank you. Okay, folks, Alesso. Peter and Tovlo, Heroes, talk to you next week. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.